I've got a, a dash light that comes on in one of my vehicles, but it's a, it's a light that is on on a continual basis. So when I first got the, the vehicle, I went to a mechanic, said, hey, you know, what's the deal here? And they plugged it into the computer and, you know, find out what it is. And honestly, I can't even remember what he said it was, but he said, you don't have to worry about it. But I've driven it now over 100,000 miles since I've bought it. I bought it used. And that light is still on. And it still bugs me. And the reason it bugs me is because you all know that when an engine light of, or any kind of light on your dash is on, it means there's trouble. You have to attend to it. It's not a good thing to just let that go. Well, I was reading a poll from uh, carmd.com that said that 10% of U.S. adults drive with the engine light on, and 50% of those have had the engine light on at least three months or more. Like, that's a problem. You ought to address that, right? Well, it got me to thinking, as as a Christian, what if there were like an, an engine light of some kind that would go off when our spiritual life is in trouble? What might that engine light be? Well, I think that one of the things that could be a really good candidate on whether we're spiritually healthy or not is gratefulness. Gratefulness. Thankfulness. I think it indicates that that our hearts are truly turned to the Lord when we're grateful. And conversely, incessant complaining is a pretty good indicator that we're focused on self. See, gratefulness can see a big God. Uh, When I see that God is big and I'm small, I complain a lot less. Can you agree with me on that? Uh, When God is big and I'm small, my heart is full. It's full of thankfulness, gratefulness that I serve a good God, right? Complaining about a job, a spouse, money, uh, your favorite team, whatever. It's a declaration, is it not, that life is too hard and God is too small. Incessant complaining. Now, John the Baptist said it this way. He said, he must what? Increase. And I must what? Decrease. This is not often in our vocabulary as people. I mean, as American capitalists, decreasing is not a part of the formula, right? But decreasing is a part of a spiritual life that is healthy. Not seeing ourselves is so important that everything has to just fit our way, that I get everything I want. He must increase, I must decrease. There's a couple passages that talk about Uh, in the New Testament that talk about what happens when people lose their focus, they're kind of rebelling against God, and listen to what some of these characteristics are when people are in that kind of uh, position. One is out of 2 Timothy 3, 2, it says, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, 
Revilers, meaning they like to fight. Disobedient to parents, and then check this one out. Ungrateful. Ungrateful. Unholy. Romans 1.21 says, For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God. Or give thanks. They became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Ungrateful, and they did not give thanks. Apparently, those traits start really early. One New York paper records that thousands of letters were sent to them to send off to Santa during Christmas. And looking through all of them, only one was a thank you note. Everything else was what they wanted from Santa. But thousands and only one thanked them. Professor and researcher Robert Emons puts it this way. He said, clinical trials indicate that the practice of gratitude can have dramatic and lasting effects in a person's life. It can lower blood pressure, improve immune function, and facilitate more efficient sleep. I'd also say it can get a marriage out of trouble that's in trouble. Gratefulness. Can it not? Isn't it easy to complain about what you're not getting, about how the other person is not serving you like you think they should? Boy, one of the ways to alter that is just choose to be grateful. I can remember uh, Janet and I hadn't even been married a year. I was writing a letter to a friend. I regretted sending it to the friend because it was a, basically a complaining session of all kinds of things, job, money, spouse. In fact, I asked him years later, do you remember that letter? He said, no, I was thankful that he couldn't remember even getting the letter because I was so embarrassed that I even sent it. But we get ourselves in kind of a, a stupor, and, and you think, man, life is just caving in on me. And here's, here's the thing I just want to deposit. We may not control the circumstances, but we do control our perspective. And there's great freedom in this that comes, that I can control how I look at things. God is big, and I'm small. It's really a submission to the reality of who God is, that he is in control, he's sovereign God, and he loves us. That's why Psalm 97, 12 says, Be glad in the Lord, you righteous ones, and give thanks to his holy name. Notice, be glad in the Lord. Not be glad about your circumstances. Now, we, we can thank God for answer prayer. I get that. But I'm talking about a, maybe a deeper root, we might say. A foundation of thankfulness is in the Lord, in who he is. Psalm 140.13 says, Surely the righteous will give thanks to thy name. The upright will dwell in thy presence. Thy name, that means the character of God, who he is. We could maybe say it this way, that when we complain and when we're not thankful, it's like denying the presence of God. How can you be thankful when unaware of his presence and power and promises? 
I mean, for Christians, that's the bedrock of our thankfulness, is it not? David was so aware of being thankful that it troubled him to think of death because then he thought that there wouldn't be an opportunity to give thanks for God for what he's done on earth. And one of the reasons he tries to reason with God about sparing his life from his enemy is so that he could have time to thank God. He writes in Psalm 6-5, For there is no mention of thee in death. In Sheol, who will give thee thanks? He wanted to live, to still have breath, so that he could thank God. Wow. That's some pretty good motivation. David must have had it easy. I mean, David must have had some extra willpower, more than you or me, in order to say that, right? I mean, he had to have some ultra spirituality to be in that position because that's something that's maybe hard for us to relate to? No. I don't think he had any special willpower. I don't think he had any special dose of spirituality you or I wouldn't also have available to us. And he certainly wasn't free of trouble. And he certainly wasn't free of making a mess out of things because he did. He had plenty of sin in his life. He did that. I mean, his marriage, not so good. I mean, David was really a hot mess. And yet, he chose to be grateful. That gives freedom. That it's not in the state of my circumstances. Great freedom in that. Having a grateful heart, it can, it can turn the most menial tasks, the the most thankless job into a vehicle to demonstrate the kingdom of God on earth. There was a front page article in the San Francisco Chronicle about a metro transit operator named Linda Wilson Allen. She loves the people who come on her bus, right? She learns their names. She waits for them if they're late. She figures she'll make up the time later on in the route. There was a story of one woman named Ivy who had some heavy grocery bags and was struggling with them. So Linda got out of the bus driver's seat, went outside the bus to help carry Ivy's grocery bags into the bus. And now Ivy lets all the other buses pass until Linda's bus comes. She only goes on her bus. Linda saw one woman named Tanya. It was in a, in a bus shelter, and she could tell that Tanya was new, just kind of had that look. She was lost. It was almost Thanksgiving, so Linda said to Tanya, you must be out here all by yourself. And Tanya nodded. Uh, you don't know anybody, right? And she said, that's right. Well, why don't you come on home with me for Thanksgiving? And she goes, well, you can just kick it with me and the kids. Now they're friends. Yeah, they have their own little community of blessing on this bus and the passengers. In fact, it's so much so that some of the patrons of that bus have offered Linda their vacation homes to go on vacation in. They've gotten to know her so well. Other people will bring her plants, floral bouquets. Uh, she loves scarves. They're always bringing her scarves. Now, that's a thankless job when you think about it, being a bus driver. I mean, you got 
cranky passengers, engine breakdowns, traffic jams, gum in your seat. That's usually what a bus ride is about. How is it that she's able to have this kind of attitude driving a bus? Well, according to the article, she said that her mood is set at 2.30 a.m. Because that's when she gets down on her knees and she prays for 30 minutes every day. She says there's a lot to talk about with the Lord. She's a member of the Glad Tidings Church there in the San Francisco area. When she gets to the end of her line, she says, this is, she says this to all the patrons, that's all, I love you, take care. How many of you have ever had a bus driver tell you, I love you, right? People wonder, where can I find the kingdom of God? Where can I find the church? I'll tell you a little section of it. It's on the wheel of a metro transit vehicle. Behind that wheel is this bus driver. She's created an atmosphere where people are so attracted to that thankful spirit. They just want more of it. That's part of the kingdom of God on earth. No matter what we do or where we're at or the state of our circumstances, we can choose to be grateful to God. Again, doesn't matter if I've been sick, doesn't matter how I feel, doesn't matter how much money's in the bank account. Doesn't matter if my dog bit me or not, I can choose to be grateful. We can thank him for his name. It's a way of saying that we're thankful for who he is. 2 Samuel 22.50 says, Therefore I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the nations, and I will sing praises to your name. Author Philip Yancey said, It's a terrible thing to be grateful and have no one to thank. It's a terrible thing to be awed and have no one to worship. Be thankful to him for his name. We can be thankful for his loving kindness and his goodness. The psalmist wrote, Praise the Lord, O give thanks to the Lord, for his good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. God is good. He's excellent in his character and in his divine judgments that he gives. And he, he's created a, a moral order in the universe. We know this because we can thank him for his righteousness in Psalm 7, 17. I'll give thanks to the Lord according to his righteousness and we'll sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. See, there's a, there's a moral order. Every human being, whether they deny God or not, recognize that there's some things that are really wrong about the world. It's funny how people who say that, you know, there is no right or wrong will recognize wrong when it's done to them. It's amazing how that moral order becomes into great focus when they're aggrieved. We can be thankful also for our victory over the penalty of sin because of what Christ has done for us. What does that have to do with our circumstances? 
2 Corinthians 2, 14 says, But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. And how about our future inheritance in Christ? All that we'll have in eternity. Colossians 1.12 says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. I mean, we recount all of these things. Are any of these based on circumstances? The presence of God, the character and the name of God, the loving kindness and goodness of God, the righteousness of God, victory over sin, our inheritance. These are all ongoing, true, fixed, regardless of our circumstances because we are in a relationship with an immutable God, one who does not change. Let me tell you what does change, and that's our perspective. We can choose to be thankful, or we can maybe choose to be fearful. We can choose to be ungrateful. We can choose to complain. We can choose to be bitter. Those are choices. No, nobody makes us those things. Those are perspectives and attitudes we choose. We choose to view God as big or God as small. It's so easy, isn't it, for ungratefulness to seep into our lives. Complain about your mates, rattling on about how you don't enjoy your job. Point out all the faults in somebody else. Cut them down behind their back. I mean, ungratefulness has many bedfellows that will gladly keep its advocates feeling justified. I have a right to this ungratefulness. Hmm. That's an interesting perspective in light of a good God. Because what is really the reality of the situation? The fact is, is that we need to be reminded uh, we need to be reminded so bad that God in the Old Testament, he would have people set up in the Old Testament worship to do nothing but give thanks. They gave thanks offering. Why? Because people forget. We forget. We need reminders. We need rituals. We need traditions that, that prompt us to be grateful. Not because we have to, but because that's reality. The reality is, I've just described who God is, what he's done that's reality. So to be ungrateful is not to match reality. We might say it this way. To be ungrateful is to be insane. It's not to match reality. It's to continue to deny reality. Because the reality is God is always good, always loving, always faithful, always keeping his promises. And we are his children and the, the recipients of his many blessings. And so we have the privilege to come together as a New Testament community to remind one another of how big God is. We have his word that, that tells us the spiritual realities that we have in Christ, that we are the beneficiaries. And then we have a tradition, at least in America, of a thanksgiving. It's a wonderful gift we've been given. One fourth grader, sensitive to the need to be politically correct, wrote on the origins of the Thanksgiving holiday, he said this, the pilgrims came here seeking freedom of you-know-what. When they landed, they gave thanks to you-know-who 
And because of them, we can worship every Sunday. You know where. (laughs) The real story is that after suffering, suffering years of religious persecution in England, the pilgrims wanted to establish their colony on biblical principles for which they suffered for in in Europe. And before they set foot on land here, they set up their own covenant with God. This didn't make them perfect. didn't mean that they didn't have their own issues. We know they did. It just meant that they were determined. And on September 16, 1620, a group numbering 102 men, women, children left Plymouth, England for America on the Mayflower. Having been blown off course, they landed in Cape Cod instead of Virginia. Terrible storm had gotten them off course. And on November 11, 1620, Governor William Bradford and the leaders upon the Mayflower signed what we now know as the Mayflower Compact. They wanted to acknowledge God's sovereignty. They wanted to acknowledge their need to be thankful. So the Mayflower Compact was signed, and this is America's first great constitutional document. It's often called the American Covenant. Now, was life easy for these people? (laughs) Quite the contrary. Uh, Life was very hard in the New World. Of the 103 pilgrims, 51 died in the first winter. And after the first harvest was completed, Governor William Bradford What does he do? He proclaims a day of thanksgiving and prayer. And by 1623, a day of fasting and prayer during a period of drought was changed to a day of thanksgiving because rain came during their prayers. The custom eventually stuck, and presidents later acknowledged it. Um, Bradford By the way, in his official proclamation, he said this. He said, inasmuch as the great father has given us this year an abundant harvest of Indian corn, wheat, peas, beans, squashes, and garden vegetables, and has made the forest to abound with game and the sea with fish and clams, I, your magistrate, do proclaim that all pilgrims with your wives and little ones do gather at the meeting house on the hill between the hours of 9 and 12 in the daytime on Thursday, November 29th of the year of our Lord, 1,623. And the third year since, pilgrims landed on ye Pilgrim Rock, there to listen to the pastor and render thanks to Almighty God for all his blessings. Subsequent states put this into practice. President Lincoln appointed a day of thanksgiving And since then, each president is to give a a Thanksgiving Day proclamation on the fourth Thursday of November. It's not a bad thing to have a tradition of giving thanks. Have you ever thought of having such a tradition in your own family, in your own life? Is there some way to remind yourself of the need to have a grateful heart. I'd encourage you dads, on a regular basis, steer the 
the attitude of your family towards thankfulness. As we gather here today, I think there are many voices of the past that teach us of the benefits of gratefulness. We have to see our God for who he is as an awesome, loving, faithful, holy God. We can see ourselves for who we truly are, small in comparison, blessed beyond measure. How about you make your own compact, your own declaration to quit seeing yourselves as so important that everything has to work your way. To quit thinking that complaining is justified and that we purposely see God for who he truly is. That's what I'm going to ask that we do. Take out a sheet of paper, all of us right now. Got a sheet of paper, something to write on. Could be a bulletin, anything. You're not going to hand this in. This is not a quiz. This is not a test. Nobody else is going to see this. Something to write on. All right, so what I want you to do. Now, just look at your own paper. Don't be looking at the person next to you. Write down all the things you typically complain about. Now, I know there's only one sheet of paper. All the things you complain about. Write down the names of the people you've cut down or criticized. Write down maybe some of the things that you feared or have been bitter about. All the things that keep you from being continuously grateful. Write write some of those things down right now. Be as specific as possible. Everybody's got them. I got them. I know you do. Okay, got a few. Now, take some time right now before the Lord and confess these as sin because that's what they are. They're a declaration of our own importance when we complain about these things. Go before the Lord, and you just tell him, it's between you and the Lord. Lord, I know it was sin that I complained about so-and-so, or that I ran down my spouse, or my friends, or that I've been fearful about this, or bitter about this. Just tell him honestly. As you've done that, I want you to just take your pencil and I want you to X out all those things you mentioned. These are in the past. This is kind of, kind of your compact. It's your declaration. These are things of the past. And then we have to replace that with something else. So let's look at the screen. We're going to replace this with the truth of who God is, the things that we can be thankful about. So this is what we're going to do. Let's all stand, and we're going to read aloud what we have on the screen. It's our declaration, our covenant before the Lord, that we declare these things to be true. So you read along with me, okay? Let's read aloud. Therefore, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the nations, and I will sing praises to your name. Praise the Lord. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his loving kindness is everlasting. I will give thanks to the Lord according to his righteousness. And I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. 
giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's pray.